Hello and welcome to the Nefer Coaches Corner, June 2022. We really appreciate listening to the podcast and we would really appreciate a like and a share as well. So before we get into the detail of this month's podcast, let me bring you up to date about all the things that have been happening at Nefa over the past month. Firstly, we announced our partnership with Notts County Football Club that will see us run a development centre in Rotherham for the under 13 to under 16 age groups. Really exciting for us to be working with Notts County and the really good people that they have at the club rejuvenating the academy there. In addition to that big news, we have also acquired AFC Mansfield Football Club. Really exciting for us as well as we offer our players that extended player pathway into senior adult football. That's what it's all about. That's why we've done it. We've got some excellent young players at NEFA and we want to give them as many opportunities to go and play in senior football as possible. We're also going to be doing some really uh, interesting and innovative things with that football club as well. So please uh, keep abreast of all of our socials and our website for everything that is going on with those two big news pieces. Anyhow, on to the podcast and, well, what can I say? Well, I'm not going to say too much because the next 90 minutes does really speak for itself. Our special guest was Steve Salis and the conversation, the insight, the debate was really centred around his book, Educating Football. And look, it is absolutely one of the best coaches' corners that we have done. Um, really, really interesting. Steve was excellent. And as I said, there was loads of interesting points, debates, bit of laughter, bit of fun in there as well. And I'm sure you're going to enjoy the next 90 minutes. So we're always looking for feedback. Um, we're always looking for suggestions of what you guys would like to hear or who you would like to hear from. So please do get in touch if you can think of anybody or there's anybody that you would like to hear from or anything that you think we could be doing better. So I'll let you enjoy the next 90 minutes with the NEFA Coaches Corner June 22 with Steve Salis. Excellent. What I'd say is, is please start populating your questions for the latter part of the webinar in the Q&A box, any general questions uh, that you've got for Steve, that would be much appreciated. Um, okay, I'm going to crack on because there's quite a few comments here and I want to get through some. Right, so let's go, let's go to Michael. Let's go to Michael. Where's Michael? Hi, Michael. Hi, how are you? Yeah, very well. How are you, Michael? Very good, yeah. Excellent. So, question was, Michael, how do you know that you know something? What was your answer? Well, I just think uh, being able to demonstrate or explain, I think the biggest thing is being sincere in what you're, um, I think it gives it. I think whoever you're teaching or whoever you're coaching, I think people can read you. Um, so just having that sincerity and confidence with, your body language and your delivery. Steve? 
Listen, I'm challenging thinking. Michael, it's great to see you again. I hope you're well, buddy. Um, yeah. Um, are we going to go through these, Ryan, um, one by one? What just briefly. Yeah, just I just don't want to reveal the thunder. Uh, listen, how do I know that I know? I love what I like about Michael's answer is, is no one really says this to you, and it's about sincerity. And, and sincerity could also come in. I know that I don't know. So it could be like Spencer, look, mate, we're colleagues. I don't know that, but uh, give me 24 hours to find out. So I do think the words sincerity and knowledge are connected, um, but not enough. So, Michael, it's a brilliant, brilliant observation that you've included that. And actually, I'm probably going to include that in my toolbox now. Good, good stuff. Thank you, Michael. Brilliant. Let's go to Josh. Hi, Josh. Hello. Hey, Josh. Hey, you all right? What did you have, mate? You what, sorry? What was your answer? Um, so I said it's within your subconscious, so you're able to answer anything within that topic without having to think. Right, yeah. So we, we're, 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 good work, Josh. Nice to meet you as well, buddy. When I um, when I talk about the word tacit, imagine having a scale, and at one end, tacit's the stuff, as I mentioned earlier, you, you do that you can't explain, and the other end is explicit. So yeah. explicit knowledge, explicit knowledge, and the others. I think the subconscious thing I'm going to touch on as well later and how, how we how our programming gets learned a little bit. But Josh, absolutely spot on. Right, love it, buddy. Well done. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Let's just take maybe one more. Uh, let's go uh, to uh, Kaido. Hiya, Kaido. Hello. Hi, Kaido. Oh, not there, not not to worry. Um, let's uh, let's go to David. Hi, David. I can hear me. Yeah. Hey, hey, what was your answer, mate? So I, I pressed send before I finished. Um, <laughs> before I finished my answer. So I put in by being able to teach someone else or to be able to demonstrate it, but also. Uh, to um, check that um, you actually do know something if somebody else actually understands it. So... Yeah, spawn, David. Can't get better than that. So, uh, so I think in summary, everyone, like you're all on the right lines. I know that I know because I can teach it. I know that I know because I've experienced it. I know that I know because I've read it. I know that I know because researched it. Um, I know that I know. I mean, research is another can of worms. We won't go down that route. Uh, I know that I know um, because science tells us it's correct, which again is also ambiguous, I think, in the modern era. But where we've just got to be really careful, everybody, is like the embracement of failure again. I know that I know because I've found out it loads. So I think like just having that confidence to know that Failing is just the normalest, you know, action in the world. But it's only the ego that gets in the way of pretending that we always got it right. But the one I want you to be more careful of anything is that when my professor said this to me at uni, I'm like, oh, my God. So he's gone through, I know that I know, is all of these things, science, uh, revisiting, teaching it, coaching it, um, feedback, research, all these things. And then he said, I know that I know because John down the pub told me. <laughs> And then we all went, wow. I mean, that, 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 that's football with whoever there was. Yeah. So just be mindful 
that when I say in my book about metacognition, metacognition changed my life. That question changed my life because it made me reflect at a level I've never reflected before. And I'm a vice principal thinking I'm a good leader and actually I'm rubbish. And I'll tell you why I was rubbish because I didn't have access to that knowledge. And, that, and when we talk about qualifications, my master's degree was basically philosophy, but called educational psychology. And what I've done, I think hopefully as a so-called expert, is pick that up and made it edible for the man on the street or the coach on the grass to make this accessible for them to teach it or, or, or behave like that. And I think that's the art of teaching. You know, you go to you go to some unis and like this, you know, if you've only got to look at a transcript from uni, and that's another reason what everyone, why I'm not doing another master's. Because I don't think I don't think I have to go and do another master's to do an MSc to then become a sports psych to then say, oh, well, I'm more intelligent now. No, I wrote the book because I finally, lads, wanted to write something that I could write, which was m my baby, and not have to reference the bullshit of everything. <laughs> so I, I can relate to that, Steve. So I'm a, like a Wally, I'm doing a couple of master's degrees at the moment. And when I first you are started, a Wally, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm absolute lunatic. I don't know why I've done that. But when I first started reading these academic papers, I was like, I don't understand the words. I had to Google the words. I like, didn't understand what they were talking about. And I think that's the big problem. Yeah, there's some great research that happens, but we can't put it into what I call real life because nobody can understand it. So I think Lads, it's great. I've got, I've got, I've got to share this. Agents call me often. Salas, can you help my player? Yeah, of course I can. So the first thing I say is, can the player help? help does, sorry, does the player want to help? So the agent says, well, I think they do. I said, well, don't waste your money and my time if a player doesn't want to help, right? That's, that's stage one. Yeah. Stage two, I'll go through the Chimp Paradox book, right? Every single first session. Life's not fair. The goalpost move, there's no guarantees. So players, you know, like the, the Wally players, not in the rude way, can't handle me because I just tell them the truth. They don't like it. But actually now, because the players are getting brighter, a lot of the brighter players, you know, a lot of the world-class lads are now on my bus because I'm giving them reality. I'm giving them love. I'm giving them direction and clarity on the learning journey. I'm giving them aspiration. So I don't think I need to go and do a sports psychology master's. Not, by the way, not that I wouldn't learn something. Yeah. But, but I think my experiences and my qualifications hopefully take care of themselves. But the final thing I'm going to say is, and this is where you've got to know the game and you've got to know coaching. And I hopefully know it as well as, you know, as well as the, the next man with an AR Pro license. He said to me, can you help my player out with concentration in the last 20 minutes of a game, championship player? I said, yes, I can definitely help him. Tell him to fucking get fitter. Yeah. And he pissed himself laughing. Like, what do you mean? I said, I'm not Paul McKenna. <laughs> You've got to play the game. You've got to play the game, which I have, to know that when, when it's 20 minutes to go and your legs have gone, right, there's no visualisation work that's ever going to make you better. You just get fitter and your legs will become stronger and then technically you'll become more efficient at later stages of the game. You'll make less errors. I don't think, I, don't, I might be wrong, I don't think the average site, sports site would say that. I might be wrong, but I just don't think they would. No, no. But it's simple, isn't it? That's what they've got to do. And I think that's what people appreciate. And most well, people... And I might, I, not, I might not be like factually correct, but I don't think I'm far away. I mean, in terms of, you know, t talking, you know, about coaching and, um, you know, developing players and something that you referred to in the book, um, and it was about the, the importance of, of listening. 
Um, and, you know, first of all, questioning and the, the uncomfortable silences, but then about listening as well. And you spoke about a trip that you made to the, the FA and the coaches there. Yeah, they were good. Um, and that's why I have a pen, by the way, because if, if I get asked you know, several questions, I want to be able to write them down and answer the questions correctly. So I've always had a pen with me on, on, on and so I can listen effectively. Um, but yeah, the England, the England experience was just, it was just really special for me. Like it was just, yeah. So I haven't told you this bit yet. The, the evolution of my business came around. I was at Millwall. England offered me, offered me um, a consultancy role, but every member of staff at England is a consultant. Now, even the goalie coach at first team level is a consultant. They don't have a full-time head of goal. Well, they might have now, but you know, most first team goalies is Dave from Southampton, isn't it? He, he goes and does the England matches. We did for many years. So then I had to find 300 days work a year. So I, 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 my business was complete fluke. I wasn't going to turn the England job down. So anyway, that first summer I left Millwall, I went to England. It was just, they were just good people. Like, you know, the, the, the recruitment meetings and what we discussed and the detail of how it was discussed. And, and um, don't get me wrong, it wasn't always aligned with what happened on the camps. Like there was still misalignment there. I will share this story. And this is where Kevin Betsy taught, taught me something major, right? So on England camp, and, and the kids have got a games room. This is a good question for people to work out. And the games room was left in an absolute mess, right? Now, the teacher and me, like, fucking that ain't happening, right? This is England, and therefore that definitely ain't happening. So I said at the end of the day, we have a, we have a staff review every night. I said, look, that, that's, that's bollocks to Kev. And Kev quite right, backed himself, you know, both professional people and said, Steve, he said, I get where you're coming from, but he said, this is under 15s and not first team and not 21s and not 19s. We want to learn as much as we can about these players at this age group, good or bad. And if we force them to do this, they're probably going to do it on pretense. And Talk about wisdom from Kev and like me being lifelong learner and me wanting to learn. That was golden for me, for him to say that. I said, however, Kev, I will meet you in the middle if that's all right. I think it's embarrassing that we haven't told the manager that of the hotel because it looks like we're Sunday League Raggy Ass Rovers. So he said, good point. And therefore, by collaboration with two senior people in the game, we've met in the middle and come up with a solution. When I just went to the manager and said, look, please don't think that we're sacking it off. Like, we're doing this to test the players. So then he was like, oh, thanks for letting us know. But, yeah, but yeah so just, just good. It was just, yeah, just good experience, rational, normal behaviour from staff, really. Yeah. And you mentioned that there were some of the best listeners that you'd, you'd come across. Yeah, just just compared to other industries and, and other other people at uh, football clubs, a lot of people in football don't don't listen that well. A lot of people in life don't listen that well. Like, don't it's just something. I think when you when you particularly working with 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 men and women and children, and 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 the diversity of education where football's quite samey, not in a rude way. You often meet the dad, you know. Not always, but in my experience again, right, from my lens now I see the world. But education just gives you this, well, it hopefully gives you this acumen 
where you've got to be very mentally agile with the people that you talk to. Men, women, children, grandparents, parents, working with women, the differences of working between men and women. Most, most football coaches haven't ever worked with a woman, Spencer. Yeah. They've never worked with a woman. So I'm not saying that I need a medal for that, but I'm just saying that, you know, as a vice principal, and I hopefully it was a successful one, you get found out pretty quickly if you're not good at a lot of things. Yeah. yeah? I'm being like quite generic. Good at a lot of things. And those things, again, could be tacit things. They could be smaller, little, minute details where, you know, a senior member staff is looking and, and they're looking at you going, you're not even making eye contact. So I'm not saying I always get it right, guys, but it's something I'm very mindful of in terms of my tonality, my voice projection. You know, you've even noticed me, I've calmed down a little bit on this call, but I've calmed down because this is a really serious point about a really serious matter. So therefore, my style is going to change because it's now not time to joke around and have a giggle. It's now time to say, look, be very mindful of our behaviour, be very mindful of our soft skills, be very mindful of our tonality and how we speak, when we speak, why we speak, be very mindful of interjecting and let people basically finish their sentences. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, that brings us nicely, actually, Steve, onto uh, something you say at Chapter 19 of Educating Football. It's about the consistent interrupters in conversations, isn't it? I really recollect that part of it. Yeah, and, and that just comes from my experiences, really, of all those people that, that, that don't. Now, I don't want to weird people out, even you two. Oh, we can't interrupt him because that's like rude. I mean the people that just do it every day. Like, I don't... Yeah, I don't mean like we can't interject, like conversations are cyclical. So what I mean by that is I say something and you say something relevant to it and then someone else says something relevant to that and we create a cycle. And sometimes there's going to be a natural interject, which is which is which is genuinely natural. I don't want to weird people out with that. But I'm just saying, again, self-awareness and the mindfulness of if you don't have that self-awareness and that mindfulness in the moment, which a lot of people don't like. I'm just going to put this out there. I've been in a lot of favorite football change rooms in my life, a lot of levels, and that is the fucking worst thing I've ever seen. Like players literally, literally don't let each other finish a sentence, and managers literally don't let a finish a sentence. And I have to remind coaches that they are playing the game. We ain't playing. So actually, at half time, it's even more important that these lads sort it out. What we do as staff is then dovetail it. I call it the funnel. Do you know what I'm going to go and do? I'm going to go and buy a funnel. Because all of this knowledge is in the funnel, but then we need to get it out in a really thin bit at the end. Like well, that's, that's what great coaching is, is how we then get all those ideas and funnel that arrow. So, yeah, I've just... I'm st what have I learned at Pro Football? Guys, sounds terrible, isn't it? I haven't learned anything. Honestly, I haven't learned anything. People in the change room are people in the change room. I'm using the same methods for under 14s that I'm using for first team players. And that's the by the way not to be derogatory to the first team lads. I just I just pitch it differently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you, you mentioned like uh, one of your, your friends, uh, Danny Danny Whelan. And you speak about the half time as well. And you know I know from from my uh, time as a semi professional manager wanting to you know show how much knowledge I've got and talking absolute nonsense for 10 minutes at half time and you know I've done that myself and uh, you know very thankful that doesn't happen anymore but do you want to tell us a bit more about you know Danny and what he experienced in non league 
And there's a story that you tell in the book. Well, Danny's just, he'll be chuffed, mate, that you've mentioned him, Spence. He's my, my oldest uni pal. We played a lot of non-league football together. Um, he, he, again, he had a better career than me. He played for, for Dartford and Cray Wanderers at right back. Um, I used to moan at him all the time because he, he could ping a ball so well, but I'll play like in centre midfield or, or, or as a 10 and sent, second centre forward. And I'd love him just to drop one in, but he just constantly banged it because he could bang it. And I'm thinking like, mate, you're like, he never, he never played a 10-yarder. So... Yeah, we, we were basically playing a game in non-league. He, he was getting basically bullied by the manager over time, which was hilarious. And the manager is just hammering him. And Wheelow's like a, a West Country boy, which shouldn't have any relevance, but it is, because he's got a really dry, quirky sense of humour and a little bit of an accent. And, and obviously in South London, you don't get many players like Wheelow. So you know, normally most players respond to the manager with swear words. So he's <laughs> like, oh, you, oh, you know, no, 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 that's not how it happened. And like then the manager's getting angrier and angrier, and he's just abusing him, like literally hammering him, as happened in in the late nineties. Uh, and he's just abusing him, abusing him even more. And we 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 were we were losing at half time. And you know when you have that moment where you roll the ball at the start of the second half, and you're just talking, and you know you're waiting for the ref to blow his whistle. And and I just said to him, I just said to him, because um, he wasn't playing, he found centre midfield that day. But I just said to him, like. What have we got to do second half? And he went, I don't know, but I'm a wanker though. And then he went, the ref blew the whistle. We we sent it back to centre midfielder, and then we just run away. And it's like none of the game. And we're just laughing our head off. And, and that was just basically it. The manager just gave us no no technical tactical anything, but we knew we weren't very nice people. But Bawley's the better one. Stefan Ball, listen to this at Dulwich Hamlet. Bawley's another, Bawley's the best PE teacher I've ever worked with, so I mentioned him in the book. Bawley was a centre forward for Sutton, Bromley, Dulwich. Bawley was getting hammered by the Dulwich manager for about eight, nine, ten weeks. And then, you know when the managers go, <laughs> if you don't like it, just fuck off. Bawley, true story, got his kit and went, you just talk shit all the time. Got his kit at half time, went home, never went back. Wow. <laughs> Way to deal with it. Minerals, loved it. That's why I love Bawley as well. I just went, I'm not put up with this anymore. I don't like it, so I'm going home. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's something that we do see, do see into, and you hear about it a lot, you know, in non-league and when you're on the touchline, as you know, um, Steve has spoke about Nefron, we have a senior side and we can hear, you know, the opposition touchline, which, you know, is good fun sometimes, but it, it can be a constant thing. I mean, when you're looking at half-time, you know, we, we've got 15 minutes from the whistle going to the whistle going again. You know, what would you say, you know, what would be the ideal process for you to go through a half-time? How would you approach it in that dressing room? Well, me and me and Ballard would would sit in a dugout for three to four minutes and plan what we were doing. So I would I would do in possession um, or out of possession, and he would do in possession or out of possession. So we'd just flip around. Um, so we would always have that. Players have three minutes just to calm the heck down. Yeah. Not plenty of time, really. You say 15 minutes, but it's plenty of time to get your points across. We were very, very, we were very clinical on on the feedback that we gave in terms of in possession, out possession. And there's all these theories. You know, people read this book like, oh, you do four four positive to one negative, thinking it's rocket science. I mean, it isn't rocket science, is it? So just so people were clear, Josh has asked a really good question. I'm just going to sidetrack quickly and answer it. Have you ever been given a team talk? We don't have a solution. Not really, Josh. No, if I'm honest, I will share a couple of stories on that. 
But um, I will say this, the worst team talks in the world for me, I absolutely hate them, is that when you go in at half-time 1-0 up, right, you should be 5-0 up, and I still hate those team talks. They're the worst team talks because you've been brilliant, you've played 1-0, you've gone in 1-0, it should be game over at half-time. And you know, it doesn't matter how many times you do them team talks and how many times you say it, you, don't, you know it's going to be 1-0 at 60 minutes. Like, you just know it is. So I hate Josh. I absolutely hate those team talks. A funny, another funny story, Josh. When when we played Dulwich Hamlet away for Leverhead, anyone that knows non-league football, there's some really good players in non-league. And Dulwich are like, Dulwich played good football, right? And me and, me and Bullard went 4-4-2 at Dulwich away. We needed to get three points and go for a win. And no one goes to Dulwich with two centre midfielders. Everyone always plays a three. We went like, sod that. We were getting, Josh, we were getting beat so heavily, not by the goals, but by, just by possession. This is the first time in my managerial career we've had seven minutes to go to get to half time. And I said to Jimmy, look, we're going to have to put the two, two centre forwards both in centre midfield, right? Just to get to half time, we played a 4 6 for seven minutes. <laughs> no, true. Because we did get to half time okay. Yeah, we did. We did get into half time okay. We then changed the shape, went 4 3 3, took the lead. And then they scored an equaliser in the 93rd minute. Um, so it could have been the great away day, do you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, those, those sorts of things. But going back to the question on half-time, I see a lot of managers, a lot of managers not really having lots to, to add value. I think players really need help with with simple things, like simple things. I still, still see managers, well, honestly, at the start of the game, the lads at the centre don't even know where the ball's going to go. Like mental. Like, well, I go to the boys, what are we doing? They go, oh, I don't know. Well, well, are we smashing it? Are we playing? What are we doing? Don't know. So anyway, the reason I say I haven't learned anything is because like, I haven't learned anything. Like, it's, there's, there's, there's coaches in non-league that could definitely be pro managers. Which is a really interesting point and another nice segue into the next question. Um, you know, we do hear coaches talking about their philosophy, especially saying that, Oh, then my philosophy is based on, on Guardiola or Clark or Mourinho or whatever. Isn't that world upside down? You know, as youth developers, should we really have a philosophy on how we play? Well, youth football, definitely. Yeah, I think I think the diversity of, of coaching is huge. We need to give kids a toolbox, more tools, more choice. We need to give them all these experiences all formations, all, all, all parts of the game over a, over a seven, eight, nine, ten year period. That's huge. At first team level, however, it, you know, you've got to go and win games of football. So when when managers go, I want to play like that, and I'm thinking, like, are you an idiot? Like, you can't play like that, even in pro football, because you can't go and do what Guardiola does and go and handpick who you want. So I mean this, really, at pro football, people think that happens in non-league. Non-league, I want to play, I'll mention a couple of non-league managers at the moment. And they're saying, I want to play like that. What are you talking about? Like, we're in June. You don't know what players you're going to go and get. You could go and get someone, that this is a Ryman Premier Club, you could go and get someone in the Conference South in last week of tra- pre-season that drops down, that's a 10. What, you're telling me you're not going to play him in a 10? So just, yeah, a lot of managers, not in a way, just talking fucking bullshit. So you can't, you can't have your methodology and your philosophy unless you are literally hand-picking. So let me apply this to Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp has reinvented football because he's, apart from Thiago, let's take Thiago out, he's had three doggers in centre midfield for two years. 
Right? That is unheard of that he hasn't gone for a traditional playmaker. And it's interesting that he's brought Thiago in in the last six months that actually maybe he's felt like we need a bit more quality. But he's basically gone the narrow front three, in my memory, never been done before. He's gone, all three of them can run for fun, and the three lads in midfield can all run for fun. Right? So he can go and handpick any player right, in the world that does the metrics that he needs, because everyone knows that Klopp does the highest metrics. But anyone underneath that, of course, West Ham are going to want that player, yep. but you can't go and get the players that Liverpool are getting. So, do you know what I mean? I mean that really sincerely. Like You can go and get a good player, but you can't actually go and get exactly the player that you want. So I think that's what great coaches do. They just, they've got the jigsaw and they form a jigsaw. Yeah. Same as teaching. Don't just teach the same syllabus and the same content to the same older kids. I have to adapt my style to yeah, it's it's just it's flipped one eighty. Absolutely, and you have to you know you have to base your philosophy or your strategy based on the individuals you've got in the building at that time, and it can change, can't it? As as you know in non-league, it can just change in a minute, can't it? You know, player out yeah. going away on for the weekend and just let you know and yeah. The non-negotiable, just so clear, I know we've got some non-league crew in here. The non-negotiables I do have, the front six, you don't run, you ain't playing. That, that's where I can be changed gear. I wouldn't say that to a load of 16-year-olds. Well, actually, I would. I wouldn't say that to a load of 12-year-olds. But, yeah. I, 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 yeah, if you don't run, you ain't playing. Not, not in non-league. I'm not carrying anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think we have it, don't we? Don't make your recovery runs. Recovery runs are sprints. That's it. If you don't do that. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And I suppose my justification, guys, if Wayne Rooney, for 20 years, can run past his midfielder and his fullback and win a tackle on his own corner flag, like you, mate, you're planning non-league on 50 quid a week, you can definitely do it. So that, that's that's what I say. I don't say it to be an oracle. I say it because that's what the best players in the world do. So, so Steve, hypothetically, you're, you're designing the next A licences and pro licences for, for England, Scotland, Ireland or, or wherever. What, what are the key things that you'd like to see introduced into the, the qualifications to help coaches become better? Great question, that, by the way. Um, in fairness, right, the guided learning hours are the guided learning hours. So I do think that, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm tactically decent, but I'm not tactically as good as someone like, you know, I've got people on this call that are miles better coaches than me. So I do think, let's get this right, that the tactical stuff's really important to be world-class. Yeah, I don't think you need it in League One, by the way, because I've seen League One now. League One's pretty Billy basic in terms of tactical. Um, top three or four sides in League One find you out because they're really, really good. But again, are they good because they've got better coaches or are they good because they've got better players? Uh, in the Championship, again, you can be really organised defensively and still get results because I've seen a lot of Championship football face-to-face. -face. So I do think, therefore, if we take away the tactical and the guided learning hours and, and apply leadership methodology, I mean, this is this is the problem. It's still called football manager. I should be called football leader. So, you know, leadership management, very different. Um, so that's important. Soft skills, all the standard stuff, all the self-awareness. But but really understanding strategy and operation, guys, and, and how your short-term, medium-term and long-term targets align to operation on the grass every day. You know, one thing I've struck by doing the, the licences, uh, and I think you have to say that the FA ones are vastly improved compared to what they used to be. I think the Advanced Youth Awards have certainly helped the coaches at ISP, so not that I've done that. But it's things about, you know, 
having the ability to learn how to give feedback to people, uh, particularly parents when it's bad news. I mean, I, I don't know whether you've come across it working for different federations, but is that part of something that's taught to coaches? Because they have to have those conversations with parents. Yeah, but again, Spencer, it's whether people really want to learn this stuff. I mean, the reason I've got really good mates in the football industry is because my good mates are like the people that think like me. Like, do you know what I mean? So I, I'm in a great position. I've got a player I work with, what day are we on now? Friday last week, championship player. And I, I get all the gossip what the manager's doing. Like, don't even say hello, Spencer. Like, and I know this player's not lying to me. He's not like making up. He's a 28-year-old human being, a very intelligent man that uses me for help. The manager doesn't say hello. One of the managers, when they first got the job, was doing all the leadership team meetings, all the players, you know, the sub-leadership group, started losing a few games, goes out the window. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, the reason I'm like this, like, so I this shit is still going on, guys, and people are blagging it. They can't even say hello to a colleague at work. What's that all about? And then you expect them to run around on a match day. Yeah. Mad. But for me, Steve, who's policing them and how much of a disconnect do you see from the, the non-football senior leadership into the actual delivery that we're talking about tonight? Well, well, it's easily solved because if the CEOs get more self-awareness... Right, and they're going to start looking at themselves when they recruit people, right? Instead of recruiting the same same people all the time for all the jobs. So if they start recruiting people, you know, servant leadership means that I my job is to serve them, right? So if we start getting a process of genuine servant leadership, then actually the manager could have a mentor. I mean, I'm looking to start a business on mentoring managers, but for me to get into CEOs, they got to want to listen. But to to want to listen, they've got to be self aware, right? So again, you know, the cycle of doom continues, doesn't it? We keep going around the same circles. But what, what where I'm baffled in pro football is like, yeah, but they have 90 applicants, they they choose someone and then sack them seven months later. Yeah. Like, why are they not looking at themselves and their, and their own recruitment policies? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the people that are being recruited are people that have also failed elsewhere. And it is, it's a massively broken system, isn't it? And I think manager tenure in League One is, 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 is under 12 months now um and, and and really that predicates all sorts of issues whether it's financial and some of the long-term stuff that you're talking about tonight in terms of trying to develop it's almost impossible when when the conveyor belt is, is, is changing personnel every every few months or every season but this is but look lads this is how thick they are though like we go, oh, it's all right. It's not all right. And everyone just keeps doing it. And yep. so therefore, the reason I'm, like, I'm passionate, who's going to change that? Yep. Like, if we know, if everyone knows in the world world it's wrong, but they don't know it's wrong, who's saying to them, you do realise that this isn't good practice, don't you? You do realise that you need to change your recruitment process. You do realise that there might be someone, an expert hires an expert. You've gone and got the Ofsted woman. Why are they not going to get people that can help them? And why are they still playing players silly amount of money Right, which is operational, so the player on the grass, and not building genuine strategy. Which lads, this is my this is my laugh. I worked in four failing schools and made them less failing. It isn't that difficult, guys. Yeah. And when I mean that, I don't mean say they're going to get to the Premier League. What I mean is you align it with your supporters. 
Hi, everybody. This is our in income and this is our expenditure, everybody. If you don't like it, unfortunately, you know, we love your support, but you're not going to have to support us if you think we're going to win the league this year. We're very sorry. This is it. And keep it clean so then there's no grey area, no bullshit. Why do clubs not do that? Well, I mean, you're sipping over into in, in, into into my area of interest, and that's you know, big taboo is the negative role of, of of fans. And for me, you know, there's a it's ego and paranoia, and you know what you talk about these people being unconsciously incompetent of it as well. I don't think that they are fully aware of the decisions that they're making and hiding behind them. I think the vast majority are absolutely unconsciously incompetent. I, I absolutely think that. Of course, but but therefore, why are we giving football so much credit? And, I, and I, this is why, like my brother's a head teacher. He could, he, my brother could be Dan Ashworth, right? He could be that guy in the in the game, but he can't be bothered. Like that, that's where we're at. Like you know, there's people out there that are really good. They're just not bothered. Absolutely, absolutely. A really interesting comment there, just there from from Luke, who's a great conversation, as um, uh, and. Uh, Someone once asked me, which is more important, the journey or the destination? And John replied, company. Uh, well, I think that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's an interesting, interesting call. Um, you know, are, are we, are we, Steve, are we, are we a learning industry? Um, I, I don't see us being a learning industry. Right. No, we are, but everyone's just in the wrong places. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Oh, we are. We are. We got some. Look at the people on this call tonight. So all these people on this call on a Monday night, right? Well done to all of you, by the way. I mean that really sincerely because you want to learn, right? So there is some serious people. What we've got to do, all of us, and this is all of our responsibility, is keep promoting good practice, keep promoting self-awareness. Keep promoting ethical and moral behaviour. Keep promoting the right things. I know I'm probably a little bit leery. I know what I'm like, Mama. I know. I'm a little bit leery, but I'm only I'm only like that. People misunderstand because I really care. It's not it's not because I'm anarchic or or I want I want I want a better. I just want a better society. And football is just a byproduct of a better society. Totally agree. Totally agree. So, Steve, as we draw to the end. Uh, of tonight and that 90 minutes has gone extremely extremely quickly how can people best follow your work and of course this is your opportunity for a plug for the book where where can they get hold of the book as well yeah well, i don't sell the book on amazon everyone because they nick 70 percent of my hard <laughs> work so yeah no i sign every book so that's yeah. get off my website but yeah anyone anyone out there that's got any no, I always say this, just try and be creative with me. If you think I can help, you know, your players or your staff or where you work, you know, keynote speeches, anything like that would really help me, guys. And that sounds really silly, but like having a business is the hardest thing in the world and you do need people to help you out. So that's why I'd say like my socials, just have me on LinkedIn, more than happy to do that. Uh, Steve Salis and at Stephen Salis for Twitter and then Solutions Mindset for Insta. But yeah, guys, I mean this really sincerely. Thank you. Thank you for tonight. I was really looking forward to tonight because this is different and no one's ever done this with me before. So you two need a massive pat on the back because you're both good people and doing a great job um, and, you know, trying to trying to give a, a sincere reality of, of the game. Do you know what I mean? Because I think that word that Michael used earlier about yeah. sincere, you've got lads that are getting released and, 
you know, you can't make them necessarily pros, but you can be honest and you can be sincere and you can get them to enjoy the game that we all love. Yeah. Yeah. Spencer, a few um a few comments from yourself, a few highlights over the last 90 minutes. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't want Steve to blush, but he knows I'm a massive fan of his work. So for me, it's been fantastic to uh, to get him on here. Uh, I know we've spoke about it for a number of months, Ryan. So, you know, it's been great, Stephen, to get your insight as well. And, you know, there's a lot of takeaways uh, tonight, but there's one that just right at the end that you said that it's our responsibility to share good practice. And it, it, it provokes a thought with me that sometimes, yes, at NEFA, we share some of the things that we've done. Uh, the, what the, the conversation about the Ofsted inspector, I've never shared that before. Uh, and then, you know, I think, well, actually, yeah, let's start sharing this stuff as an organiser, because actually it is good. It is good stuff that we do, and it's made us better. So I think, you know, as an organisation, I agree, right, we need to probably do a bit more of that to say, actually, this has been really useful for our players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The final thing I'm going to say, everyone, and I mean this really sincerely, let's not forget, eight, in, in 2013, so nine years ago, I'm walking down school corridors, right, and now look what's going on. Yeah. And that's not about me, that's about we, right? My life has changed dramatically, but I believe that it's changed dramatically because I did the right things for many people for many years and an ex-student has chosen to message his old teacher. Yeah. And if he doesn't do that, and please record this, sound like Kevin Keegan now, don't I? <laughs> but, please, no, but please record this because if that ex-student does not text me, I'm not here and I haven't read the book and I don't go a meal and I don't work for England. And I don't get on the biggest podcast in the world. I don't get all these things by what I did for 20 years. And that's when I'm saying to you, anyone's life can change in a moment, right? You've just got to be that person that does the right things in order for that to happen. Cause I don't, out of all the things I think I've been lucky with, I don't think that was luck. I, I earned that. I earned that bit of luck with him messaging me. The preparation that you're putting and the hard work, as soon as the opportunity came, you were ready. I think so. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, there's so many things for me to I've made so many notes, some great, some great quotes. You know, data, data should, you know, give you from uh, as many questions as it does provide answers. Great one that I like, Steve, strength lies, it lies in the differences, not the similarities. That's triggered a lot of stuff. Um, uh, for me and, the, and you know, just because you're taught it doesn't mean they learnt it as well there are some great lines um, from tonight but that does bring us to the end of the webinar this evening so it's my great pleasure to say thank you to Steve uh, for, for his time tonight thank you to everybody that has chosen to listen in and contribute tonight as well this will all get converted into a podcast over the next few days and we really would appreciate it if you could share it across your channels as well the spread what's been discussed tonight spencer um, i don't think we're ready quite ready to name who the next guest is going to be in august but we've got a flavor we'll of a little thing. teaser mate a little teaser i mean we're, we're going to have next month off aren't we right well we're going away together we must <laughs> You know, I see most days, so we need a break from each other, don't we, mate? But sure. uh, yeah, we're uh, so in uh, August, I think it's the yeah 15th, we have a, an ex-professional footballer, ex-manager, UEFA Pro licence holder, and there's a coach developer as well, and somebody that uh, made a big impact on me when I was going through my journey. So he's, uh, he's agreed to come on uh, and speak all things football uh, and about his journey and, you know, how to develop players and develop coaches as well. But that'll be the 15th of August. We'll get the flyer out, won't we, Ryan? The usual uh, method and, uh, 
yeah, hopefully now it's the next week or so. Fantastic. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Thank Steve, you. again. Thanks, Thanks, everybody. Thank you.